The following podcast is intended for general information and entertainment purposes only. It should not be substituted for professional medical or psychological advice. Before beginning or changing a treatment plan, please consult your local healthcare professional. Anyway, James Jones. James. Did you know I looked up nicknames for James mm-hmm. and it's uh, I found Jem, Jemmy, Jim, Jimbo, and Jimmy. <laughs> that sounds like a f- like a family in the Ozarks. <laughs> the, all of them. Jem, Jem, <laughs> Jemmy, Jim, Jimbo. Jam, Jammy, Jim, Jimbo, Jimmy. Dinner's ready. <laughs> No, that sounds like my family because we're all J names and we always circle. There's not even that many of us, but there is always a uh, Jill, Jordan, Jacob, you. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds like my grandmother. That's all right. Well, welcome back to Biopsychosocial. (laughs) Hey, guys. Hey, you're here. Nice. Hey, we didn't see. How long have you been standing there? (laughs) Long enough. Long enough. I do that when, so when we come home, we always try to, like, find the cats. Just, you know, you, uh-huh. I'm sure you do the same thing. Well, Luna, you. Oh, they're already there at the front door when I come home. Yeah, ours don't do that. So I'll be <laughs> looking everywhere for Trapper. And then I'll, like, find him and he'll be in, like, he'll be completely visible in the kitchen. Like, I don't know if he moved or I walked by him, but he always looks at me like, you know, I've been here the whole time. <laughs> like listen dumbass listen (laughs) ah so you're gonna gonna uh conclude the story of jams of jim of jim jones jimbo jones jimbo jones oh i I sure am nice um so this is james james jones (laughs) jimbo jones and jonestown part two um so for this part i watched a documentary called truth and lies Jonestown, Paradise Lost, which was a documentary done by ABC News. So to start off with, I mean, they they interview journalists who went there. They interview uh, former Temple members, writers who have written books about him. It's a whole bunch of people. So I it was a hard I had a hard time, like, keeping up with who was who. And at one point I was just like, I don't know, this guy, whoever that is. <laughs> this is what he said. <laughs> this dude. But everyone in this documentary legit thinks he's crazy. Like the the documentary starts out with like Jim Jones is a nut job, basically, from like twenty different people. So this documentary was done by sane people, is what you were saying, because they can acknowledge. I think compared to Jim Jones, most of us are sane. If you're having a bad day, you're not as crazy as Jim Jones. I have to say that this was a really good documentary because they do start. At the very beginning. Let's start at at the the very beginning. beginning. We both did that at the same time. That's great. So let's see. It kind of starts out with his son, Stefan Jones, who is shown 20 years following the incident. And it's it's clearly still traumatic for him to return to Jonestown. So they go back. And he just kind of collapses into tears. Why did he go back? Did he go back for the documentary? Of course. Oh, okay. And he says, you know, the humanity of it warmed my heart. It's what I was looking for 
and there was nothing left when I went back there. There was absolutely nothing left. So this was like a a dream that was built up for these people, these mm-hmm. members of the congregation, as well as his family, his children. And he just totally robbed them of it, you know? Ugh. So they show parts from, there's a 1998 documentary. And in that one, Stefan Jones is like a bona fide hottie, I'm just saying. <laughs> He's got these high cheekbones. He's looking good, you know? <laughs> Are are you into Stefan Jones? Well, he's like my mom's age, so that would be weird. I mean, you know. I mean, 30 years ago. Okay. Did you know 1998 was 30 years ago? Was it 30 years ago? Oh, my God. No. 1998, it was 22 years ago. Okay. 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 I feel better now. That's true. I have some friends who were born, and they're only in their 20s. All right. <laughs> but I do that. I think like 1999 was 10 years ago and it was not. But anyways, he says, I, I went back for forgiveness for myself and for dad. Okay. Was he able to find it? I don't know. So in the beginning, they show shots of Lynn, Indiana, which if we, you remember from last time, that's where Jimbo was born. Mm-hmm. And it looks pretty rough, or at least that's what the edit shows. You know, they're showing like these dilapidated houses and empty buildings and stuff like that. And you hear his voice in the background saying, I was from the wrong side of the tracks. Ugh. And we recap a little bit. His mom was a union activist. Maybe that's where Jim gets it from. <laughs> and he says, I was never accepted. Maybe that's where I got my sympathy for blacks. That's how I got involved with the Pentecostal church because they were outcasts too. Oh, yeah. He was preaching to chickens. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's the one that nobody wanted to invite him to their birthday party. <laughs> uh, his son says he was handsome and charismatic. There was a fire in him when he spoke, and he just commanded attention from the whole room. So it plays some of his preaching so you can tell how much power and passion was behind what he was saying. It's kind of like, I mean, we, you and I grew up going to Catholic church, so it was all very There was a lot of like, I almost imagine him like banging on the, um, what's that thing called that they stand at? Pulpit. The pulpit. That's what I was going to say. And like, shouting he's just shouting at the top of his lungs and people are like yeah this is great you know uh so he's like a cult like cult of personality like you know charismatic ruler which mm, which are they're dangerous yes they are but we go back to stefan and he says you know there are people of every color kind of just chilling together and that's what i wanted he's like this is the future that i wanted and that my dad promised me so Jones clearly passed down a sense of activism and compassion to both his children and his congregation. I mean, these people were all about this. And that's fantastic. Right. We said last time that, you know, most people are very well intentioned when it comes to bringing people together and helping others and things like that. Um, And it's just unfortunate they fell into this trap of this person who's taking advantage of that. Correct. Yeah, the message was correct. The intention was not. Exactly. So they they had a daycare, a medical clinic. He did housing for the homeless. Um, people who joined the church were really into this, like I said. Yeah. This is kind of how I, I see the core of every religion. I mean, Christianity, Islam, Judaism, paganism, Buddhism, all of the isms is being just a, a good person and being excellent to each other. And that includes atheists as well. They're, they have the same core, just no deity that they follow. Right. Correct. That's kind of what the core of humanity should be. Right. Exactly. So former People's Temple member Tom Bogue makes a really great statement. He says, Jim Jones played both sides of the coin. 
good to draw people in and evil to control them. And he, we have a voiceover from Jim and he says, I couldn't come to terms with capitalism. It seemed gross to me that one person would be held above another. So like, agree, right? Yeah. I think that's gross too. But I also think Jim Jones is gross. (laughs) Is the disconnect? Yes. So these people, and they they interview this woman whose name is Yolanda Williams, and she says, we signed over our homes, our power of attorney, (gasps) everything. So Jim had them sign blank pieces of paper where anything could be typed over them. Oh, that's, that's not good. And power of attorney, basically, if you cannot make decisions for yourself, they signed over that Jim Jones could make decisions for them having to do with finances, medical decisions. So that's that's a lot of power to give somebody. Yes. It's a document somebody- that it's a document that you should most definitely have, but you know, be careful on who you give it to. Exactly. So parents find signed false confessions that they were molesting their own children. <gasps> and so he used all of this, like we said last episode, to blackmail them if they ever left the church. Like any good kind leader would do. Are you kidding me? So these people were terrified, even if they wanted to leave. They felt like they couldn't because he had this all of this ammo against them. Yeah. So he had at this point, and we're in the we're we're coming up on the probably mid seventies, mm-hmm. and he had everyone is suspicious of everyone else to the point where Jim was the only one they felt that they can trust. So they were par all right. So they were paranoid, powerless, and afraid, and under the thumb of an all powering ruler. Yes. And I I think to an extent he he bought into his own hype because remember we said that he, oh, um, he had moved to California because he had read an article that it was one of the best places to be in the event of an apocalypse. And he, for some reason, thought an apocalypse was going to happen. Well, look at you. Most of the time, these people believe them, you know, believe themselves. They don't they buy into their own act by <laughs> their own shit, essentially. That's a good way of putting it. Yes. So he also used his power to have sex with whoever he wanted, both men and women. He said, you know, he would say to them like that he didn't really want to do it, but he he did it for the cause. So, yeah. But I mean, in such a predatory way, they they one of the members speaks on this, that she was probably like in her early 20s, late teens, early 20s, and they're on a bus. And he has his own little section in the back of the bus, Ugh. of course. And he invites her back there. And he essentially is like, you don't know how beautiful and wonderful you are. So I'm going to show you. And like unzips his pants. Ew! And he's telling her while he's having sex with her, like, well, while he's essentially sexually assaulting her, raping yes. her. Yes, well, he's raping her, um, yes. This is for you. I'm doing this for you, not uh, for myself. Which uh... is you know, the truth said, or the, the lie, rather, said by every rapist ever, right? Correct, correct. And somebody in the documentary says it's not about pleasure, but about dominance. So it's yeah, absolutely. Assault. Yes. Yeah, it's not about, uh, it's not about feeling good. There's easier ways to get around that. It's about power and control. I mean, he was the, le- I, well, I guess he still would have been using his power, but I'm just saying, like, I'm sure he would have been fine. He would have been able to find someone who would consent Fully. I'm sure. Not somebody who was bullied into that, you know. Ugh. I just want to say, I'm like, I just want this woman to say, I'm going to show you how beautiful and powerful you are. Yeah, I know. I know. She's she's back there. She's like, you know what? I'm I'm all set. I think. I already. Yeah. I, I, I own a mirror. So I know. 
Yeah, I'm fantastic. Ugh, what a piece of shit. So former Temple member Yolanda Williams mm-hmm. says there were public beratings and even beatings of members that did things that Jim did not like. And there are recordings of these beatings. And he's Ugh. in the background laughing like maniacally. Ah, It's so creepy. Ew. So Defon says, you know, he was a sick and demented child in a man's body. Ew. Um, and it was absolutely like an abusive relationship. So this was happening. And he had all of the congregation, the members of the People's Temple, mm-hmm. here saying, like, well, what can we do to make him happy? We're afraid of him. Yeah. How, how can we, like, stay in his good graces? We'll do whatever we have to do. Because now we're terrified. Yeah, they're not blindly following anymore. Following him anymore. They're They're scared. No. And I think that's what a lot of people don't understand. Right, exactly. Brainwashing is over. Now they're just trapped. Right. They're officially, well, they are officially indoctrinated. You know, some of them, it's almost like, well, I don't want to say half and half, but there's a a percentage of the congregation that really absolutely believes what he's preaching. And Mm -hmm. there's a, a percentage that is like, I don't think this is okay. Yeah. But they can't leave. Right. It's a cult. Yes. Um, so he starts talking about big shows in the name of socialism. So this is when he starts talking about what he calls revolutionary suicide, like having a bunch of congregants jump off the Golden Gate Bridge or hijack an airplane, as you do. Uh, uh, you know, not like a protest where you, I, I don't know, like they couldn't do a, uh, what's that thing called? Pole sitting. What is that? Pole sitting. When you pole sit on top. Yeah, when you sit on top of a pole. No, I'm thinking of, a, oh, a flash mob. So they, they couldn't, like, go to the supermarket and do a dance together. <laughs> they, had to, they had to jump off a bridge. Yeah, he would. it was in the suggestion box. Flash mob. And Jim Jones was like, no. Not good enough. No, not good enough. Uh, we, if we ever start a cult, we will be doing flash mobs. Absolutely. Do we have to start a cult? Can't we just do flash mobs? But... <laughs> I'm just saying it would be a, a good it would be a nice cult. We would we would have fun. It would be just the two of us. <laughs> we're, we're actually already in a cult. It's but in the flash mob's pretty pathetic. It's just like me and Kayla and Target. <laughs> the security guard comes up like, uh, we're gonna have to ask you to leave. <laughs> You're like, just let us just let us finish this dance. No, we didn't want to see it the first three times you did it. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's us. That's us. Um, so the inner circle that he had practiced a ritual. So he would give them a small glass of wine and he would be like, <laughs> he would be like, <laughs> you've all just been poisoned. And then he'd be like, psych, it's just a prank. <laughs> oh my God. What? <laughs> that's why I bring my own box of wine. Just in case. He, yeah. <laughs> so he would do this over and over and over again with them. Would he like the movie The Princess Bride or <laughs> switch it back and forth? Yeah. He was looking for unquestioning obedience in his followers. So uh. he was almost trying to weed people out. You know, would they drink this knowing that it could be poison, even though it was a joke last time? Quote unquote joke. Uh, that's a, it's not a funny joke. Nope. Putting saran wrap on someone's toilet is a joke. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Uh, Stefan says, I don't think he was practicing mass suicide. I think he was just playing sick games. Yeah, I think he was just a sick asshole. Yes. 
Jim had them feeling isolated and threatened in the U.S. So, you know, he was telling them over and over and over again that people were after them. People are after me. People want to kill me. But the turmoil will go away if you follow me to Guyana. Mm. Which, what, is, what does that sound like to you? It just sounds like an abuser to me, right? Like, yeah, everybody is against us. No one wants us to be together. But if you come and live with me in this faraway town away from everyone you know and love, It'll be okay. Yeah, it's isolation. Yeah, right. It is exactly. a form of emotional abuse and also, control. Yeah, control. So, Guyana is officially known as the Cooperative Republic of Guyana. Mm-hmm. It's the northern part of South America. It borders Venezuela, Brazil, and Suriname. It is considered part of the Caribbean due to its cultural, historical, and political ties with other Caribbean nations. Mm-hmm. The capital is Georgetown, which was originally settled by the Dutch and then taken over by the British. It gained independence in 1966, Mm -hmm. which was only maybe like 10 years before Jonestown was founded. Mm -hmm. It's the only South American country which which has English as its official language. So that's part of why um, Jim Jones chose it. Yes. And just a fun fun fact, the national bird is the Hudson. The alternative name, this is from Wikipedia, the alternative name of stink bird, which they Ew. also call it, is derived from the bird's foul odor, which is caused by the fermentation of food in its digestive system. Ew. It kind of looks like a tropical vulture. I don't know. Looks like a tropical vulture and it smells like garbage. As a defense mechanism, vultures will puke on like projectile vomit on predators. That's relatable. And to cool themselves down, they shit on their own legs. <laughs> I'm very infantile. <laughs> but I'm still, uh, I love turkey vultures; they're my favorite. Anyways, oh, they oh, they're scary little shitskas. Yeah, when they were over here, remember that day where the l- huge flock of both turkey vultures and black vultures were over in my parking lot? Yes, you sent me videos. Thank you for that. Um, I I am not worried about them because I know that they're not like aggressive birds so i went out and threw away my garbage which is where they were all congregating and they all hissed at me <laughs> it, it, again relatable <laughs> they and didn't then they, do anything though and then they They're followed you around and the neighbors were like the witch at the end of the that's <laughs> <laughs> got cats got turkey vultures following her yes and i talked to our neighborhood raven too i, I threw her corn one time and she flew away but <laughs> we're working on it we're working on a relationship. Yeah, this is why we don't have a cult. You can't even get the raven to follow you. <laughs> I know. I said I can't even get my cats to listen to me. You can't even get your raven to follow you, you know. Um, so in Jonestown, the members were essentially practicing homesteading. They had pigs, chickens, and their own crops. Mm. And they made videos to send home about how great it was. Um, it's almost like propaganda to get more people to come. But the reality was that they could not produce enough food to feed all the people who came down. Because no. there were way more that came down than were expected. And homesteading is hard. Yeah. No matter what Instagram wants you to think. I know. Although I have dreams of like starting a, not a cult, like a commune where we grow our own food and like braid each other's hair and stuff like that. <laughs> That'd be awesome. That'd be just us again. <laughs> again, it would be just us. Everything you say, it's like, okay, so it'll just be me and Kayla. <laughs> Let's see. And Yolanda says he sold us a bill of goods. I mean, it was absolute bullshit. Correct. Um, we were Same never going to get what he was promising. Right. No. So some ex-members who I think were still back in the United States 
started mm-hmm. contacting journalists to prepare an expose. Ooh. Um, they show a title um, from a newspaper, Jim Jones should be investigated. And he could no longer manage this like perfectly curated image he had of himself and the facade was falling apart. So he, he drove people out of San Francisco and into Guyana. The strategy in doing this was to have people leave from different airports across the country so it wasn't suspicious. Which just sounds like a lot of work to me. It, I, it, uh, we'd be the worst cult leaders. He'd be like, listen, Jim Jones would be like, you, Jordan and Kayla, are going to drive all the way down to Georgia and fly out of there. <laughs> and we get there and we just decide to stay in Georgia. Yeah, we're like Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. And that's it. <laughs> oh, they have good peaches here. Let's stay. Oh, there's peaches here. Everybody's very friendly. Let's check out that giant aquarium. I love the show Designing Women. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yep, we would fail. We would suck. We would suck. I know. And then they would have been like, remember that time we had those two members? They sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're still in Georgia. We would have killed them first, is what he would say. Yeah. So one of the ex-members who survived the massacre, who was interviewed, says, um, wow. you know, I get there. And there's a gate surrounding, you know, there's this huge fence surrounding the compound with a a locked gate and armed guards in the towers. And he says, when I saw that, my heart just dropped. And of course, they took everyone's passport away. Sure. Jeez. Our girl, (gasps) Julia Shears, who wrote the book that I I got information from in the last episode, Mm -hmm. is um, heavily featured in this documentary. Hey! Uh, And she goes, once they got there... Jones dropped the facade. So again, yeah. kind of like an abuser once they their partner is pregnant or they marry their partner and they're just kind of like, okay, now I'm going to beat the shit out of you every day because you yeah. have nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. You're locked in. Again, the place was failing agriculturally because there were too many people. Of course. There was no pest control. They didn't consider, especially because, I mean, this is obviously a very different environment than California, right? right. This is yeah, like a South tropical America. jungle. Yeah. Yes. So there's no pest control. There's weevils in the rice. Yolanda goes, you would tell on anybody for a candy bar, which is like, that's relatable also. <laughs> yeah, yes. What's a weevil? I, a weevil is, it's like a really teeny tiny beetle with a long nose. Ah! They are, I, I think I read a statistic somewhere that like one in four insects is a weevil or hmm. something like that, which was interesting. But anyway. That is interesting. They, I mean, they're, they eat crops, I think, but they're otherwise harmless they're not gonna like bite you in the middle of the night or something but if they get in the right like do you cook do you accidentally eat one when you cook the rice or do they or do they mess up the rice well i mean if you do eat one it's extra protein that's true things like i mean obviously we have pesticides unfortunately that we use on crops but think even simple things like um what do i have here the hell is it called my brain is completely short-circuiting i have to look it up now what is it it's here's what I'm googling. Uh, natural natural pest control dust. Ew. Oh my god, what is it called? Oh, diatomaceous earth, which is like crushed up. Oh, um, crushed up, uh, crushed up parts. Uh, plankton, I think. Yeah, some I don't know some like crushed up bones of things that we don't care about. <laughs> Not like crushed up animal bones or something. Nice. Um, but anyways, if you were if so, for example, if they were to throw that into their rice, it's you can consume it, but mm-hmm. it would kill any pests. 
that's kind of metal to be like i like i like my i like my rice with the side of animal bones it's not animal bones but yes it is pretty metal and like i know that and i don't grow crops so come on jim jones you couldn't figure this out before you got there i don't want to defend jim jones but i would have no clue (laughs) i'd be trying i'd be trying to post me (laughs) someone from from a nearby town in guyana just comes on their bike like here's your pizza (laughs) nice thanks i (laughs) I'd be dead. I'd be dead. I'd be so dead. So meanwhile, Jim Jones has an air-conditioned building with his harem, his little harem, complete with a running refrigerator and probably a steady supply of blow because we know that he was addicted to drugs at that point. Uh, My girl Julia comes in with, he's probably the only one who got fat there. Like, whoa. Wow. Savage. (laughs) Hope he had plenty of aloe. (laughs) Jim Jones Jr., who is also in the documentary, talks about um, how they had to practice white night drills, which were the suicide drills. Oh. So he's like, he dad would wake us up in the middle of the night and give us Kool-Aid. And we, uh. were, told, we were told that we were going to commit suicide. And he would say things like, hurry, mothers, the mercenaries are coming. They're going to take and torture our children. You know, and then he'd be like, psych, again. Get new material, Jim. Exactly. So in the recordings that they play of these white night, because he recorded everything, you know, he thought he was worth listening to. In the recordings, you can almost hear him losing it. Like he sounds nearly incoherent or drunk. He's definitely slurring his speech. Another survivor, Leslie Wagner Wilson, says he broke us down physically, emotionally and spiritually. So they had they worked so hard, you know, doing this manual labor. If you were punished, one of the ex-members is interviewed about his experience being punished for trying to run away. He had to do manual labor for 16 hours a day. And it got to a point where he was willing to allow another member to break his thumb with a sledgehammer just so that he could get a break. Yeah. So it was It's like those like prison workers breaking rocks, you know, or something like that is what it made me think of. Yeah. Yeah, like like a late like sentence to hard labor, you know, like um, yeah, yes, like, and it's not like anybody's out there handing them Gatorade or something. No, like that. no way. So our hero of the story is Congressman Leo Ryan, and he was okay. not afraid to Jones of Jones, and he was willing to speak out against him and go to Guyana to speak with the congregation. Cool. Now in the past, because he was very hands on, he. Checked the conditions of Folsom Prison by spending eight days locked up. Oh, wow. So he was like, you know what? I want to know what this is like. Put me in there as a prisoner. And then Johnny Cash showed up and did a concert. <laughs> did he really? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> it's like that show 60 Days In. Yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. You've um, watched. You've uh, Yeah, I made you watch it. So I had somebody to watch it with. Yeah, that's what I watched when I was in the hospital. I became like obsessed with it for a while. <laughs> It's it's fascinating. That that's one true. guy that's that one guy that's like a complete psycho and goes into Oh no, he pretends to be psycho and he goes into solitary, right? I don't think he pretended to be psycho. I think he was psycho. No, I think he was pretending just to get out of there. They were like, "All right, we're going to send you home, weirdo." They're like, "All right, I guess you can leave." Ah, <laughs> oh, the need the person that assimilates a little too well. Yes. Yep. 
but that really is the immersion is really the best way to figure out what's going on with something. Our OG feminist hero, Nellie Bly. Yes. Mm -hmm. uh, went into, went into um, a psychiatric hospital for eight days. Maybe we should do an episode on her. We should. That might be my, uh, that's a good idea. Stay tuned people. There were multiple after her, there were multiple um, instances similar to that where people pretended to be psych patients to, Mm -hmm reveal different things about the treatment of that they were receiving and the the stigma of course attached you know anyways so leo ryan goes down there in a private tiny airplane because that's the only thing he could take down there um with a bunch of journalists and one of the journalists says it was like a journey into the heart of darkness the end of civilization it reminded me of gone with the wind it was like a plantation oh which is like oh that's a a good you know place you want to put a bunch of african-american people great but you know the 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 one journalist goes well i saw a medical center a daycare like it seemed really wonderful okay and now behind the scenes the cult members are like if we tell the truth it's like signing a death warrant Mm -hmm. like he will kill us if we tell the truth so they they came down also with family members who tried to convince their loved ones to come back to the u.s Mm -hmm. and one of the ex-members says, I have no reason to come back. We're building paradise down here. Everything's great. And so Jones had them served this amazing food. They had like, they showed it, it was like fried chicken and mashed potatoes. And it's like, what did they go to KFC? But <laughs> like, they didn't have any of this stuff there. Where's the lady that post-baited? <laughs> we need her. You. you did. We need her. So Ryan, at the end of it, finally makes an announcement. And he's like, looks like everything is just swell down here. And there was... <laughs> This eruption of applause that seemed very suspicious. Uh. So some people before Leo Ryan and his crew um, left came forward and they were slipping notes to the journalists that they wanted to leave. And so the cracks kind of began to show and things started to crumble. And Jones was like, you know, the one of the journalists is like, uh, someone handed me this note. Can you tell me what you think about that? And <gasps> Jones was like. Uh, well, people play games and lie. What can I do about liars? <gasps> he was starting to lose control and people were electing to leave. Like whole families were splitting apart. You know, mom wants to stay. Dad wants to leave. Who ca- takes the kid? Oh, we're no. screaming at each other. We're crying. It becomes very emotional. And this was on November 18th, 1978. Mm-hmm. My parents' wedding day. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and... They are able to kind of, I think there are 16 people that they leave with, and they're able to kind of take these people out of there and go to the airstrip. And one of the journalists says, there's a sense that we just got out of there with our lives. Little did we know that the worst was yet to come. So Jones calls up his thugs and he says, go after the defectors. So there's only one airstrip because this is the middle of the jungle. And this little tiny plane that they took down could only fit... um, like eight people or something at a time. So they had to call on another airplane. And this whole time, as they're sending in the second airplane, the U.S. embassy in Guyana is radioing to the U.S. And they're like, there might be a problem because the plane is still grounded. I don't know what's going on. And all of a sudden, the thugs kind of roll up in this car and they start just shooting and shooting and shooting and shooting. And this ex-member that's interviewed goes, my wife was killed (gasps) in front of me. Part of her head was blown off. Oh They're God. just shooting point blank at us. And so some people duck and cover behind the plane. Some people run into the jungle to hide. Leo Ryan is killed. 
And suddenly these thugs leave, but they were supposed to kill everyone. So everyone is like a, a terrified that they're going to come back to finish the job. Right. Which thankfully they didn't. And a lot, you know, the people that they interviewed survived all of this. Right. So back in Jonestown, we have Jimbo telling everyone, if we can't live in peace, let us die in peace. There's no way can- we can survive. Let's all go down together. Oh, my God. So these people, and he says, anybody who dissents, please speak up now. Like, he gives a shit. No. And people stand up and they say, I don't think this is okay. I don't think this is the right way. And you have other members arguing with them. Like, this is how I want to die. And he, you know, there's a recording of one of the members essentially saying, like, well, Jim Jones saved our lives. So don't we owe this to him? No. They're like, listen, I want it. I want to go home and have a donut. I, I don't want to die here. No. So no, you don't know anybody. Shit. They begin by forcibly taking children from their parents' arms and started killing them, starting with the babies. Oh my god. There's a recording of all of this online. I there's nothing. Don't there's watch. hardly anything that I can recommend less. I've listened to it. It's completely awful. You can't unlisten to it. So I don't recommend that you there's seek it out. Nothing. Nothing you can learn from that. No. No. It's really awful. So Jones is saying, don't tell the children they're dying. Don't frighten them. He tells them it doesn't hurt. Um, and this is cyanide we're talking about. Which And he's like, oh, it's like taking medication. Mm. And this one guy says, my baby is dead in front of me. He's frothing at the mouth and my wife died in my arms. And you have people who pretend to take it. People who ran are shot in the back. So all in all. On November 18th, 1978, 900 people died. My God. And somebody in the documentary says they've been reduced to a euphemism. You know, this drink the Kool-Aid thing. Uh, And like we said in our last episode, a lot of people don't even know where that comes from. Right. So add that to the fact that these people, these lives that were lost are just reduced to the saying that we use now. Like a, yeah, like a joke. So Jones was found dead with a gunshot wound to the head, most likely self-inflicted. I'm sure. So he gets off easy, right? Yep. They usually do. An ex-member says, you know, it's criminal that we know so much about Jim Jones, but nothing about these people who are so passionate and could have changed the world. Sure. Oh, my gosh. Because they were were behind the right ideals. They were behind the right right ideals. They know, you know, we don't know their names. No, we don't know. And they made it a point to say, like, it wasn't even Kool-Aid. It was cyanide-laced flavor-aid, which, like, I don't see how that makes a difference, but whatever. And former Temple member Tim Carter says it wasn't, like, let's all get together and die for Jim Jones. It was mass murder. Yeah, He goes, that's that's my opinion. And I was like, that's my opinion, too, Tim Carter. Yeah, that's exactly exactly what it was. Right, because otherwise you wouldn't have these people pretending to to drink. And you wouldn't have people running away. Yeah. So... The aftermath was that people back home had to call a specific number and claim a body and pay $450 each to have them shipped home. That's $450 in 1978. So, and one lady per body? Yes. Okay. So, if you have a family down there, well, that's what she's this lady interviewed is like, I have eight family members. How am I supposed to pay for all of these people? Let's see. What is the conversion? Jeez. Um, $1,800. Jesus. Yeah. So imagine having to pay $1,800 to have your loved one shipped back home to you to bury them. And then eight and family that, members. 
And it, that doesn't even include grand. that doesn't even include funeral expenses now. Correct. Correct. Nobody was offering to help with that. No, of course not, because they did it to, because in their minds they did it to themselves. Nobody's compassionate about that because we right. all want to be the first ones to say, "Well, I wouldn't have been it's mm-hmm. I wouldn't fall for that." Which listen, we're all way less cool than we think. Mhm. Nobody knows what they would do in a specific situation until they're not. in that situation. I of course not. What would you do? I don't know. Exactly. Mhm. Um, so the bodies were sent to uh, Dover, Delaware, to the military base for six months. Ugh. So no city wanted bodies buried there out of concern for like, oh, cult rituals or more mass suicides, you know, if we bury people here. Just let them rest in peace. Well, we have this stigma, too, don't forget. Yeah. From way, way back about, I mean, in the Victorian era, people who died by suicide were buried on the outskirts of the cemetery because they were considered uh, sinners. Right. So we have this stigma attached to dying by suicide that persists. Of course. Even though I, we're becoming more compassionate about it now. Mm-hmm. And it, like you said, to the fact that, you know, people thought that they, well, they, they chose this, they did it to themselves. They're, or they think they're above it, which... Right. No. <laughs> so... I copy-pasted from Wikipedia. Nothing wrong with that. What happened to the surviving sons of Jim Jones? Because I think it's worth mentioning. Absolutely. So Stefan, Jim Jr., and Tim Jones did not take part in the mass suicide because they were playing with the People's Temple basketball team against the Guyanese national team in Georgetown. At the time of the events in Jonestown, Stefan and Tim were both 19 and Jim Jones Jr. was 18. Tim's biological family, the Tuppers, which consisted of his three biological sisters, biological brother, and biological mother, all died at Jonestown. Oh, my God. Three days before the tragedy, Stefan Jones refused over the radio to comply with an order by his father to return the team to Jonestown for Ryan's visit. So he effectively saved everyone that was on the basketball team. Good for him. During the events at Jonestown, Stefan, Tim, and Jim Jones Jr. drove to the U.S. Embassy in Georgetown with an attempt to receive help. The Guyanese soldiers guarding the embassy refused to let them in after hearing about the shootings at the Port Kaituma airstrip. Later, the three returned to the temple's headquarters in Georgetown to find the bodies of Sharon Amos and her three children. Guyanese soldiers kept the Jones brothers under house arrest for five days, interrogating them about the deaths in Georgetown. Stefan Jones was accused of being involved in the Georgetown deaths and was placed in a Guyanese prison for three months. Wow. Tim Jones and Johnny Cobb, another member of the People's Temple basketball team, were asked to go to Jonestown and help identify the bodies of the people who had died. Oh, my gosh. After returning to the United States, Jim Jones Jr. was placed under police surveillance for several months while he lived with his oldest sister, Suzanne, who had previously turned against the temple. Wow. Yeah. So. And they seem to be speaking, you know, since they took part or uh, took part in this documentary, they seem to be speaking out against their father, which is a great thing. Well, it sounds like even even back then they thought he was nuts. Yeah. If they refused to comply with his orders, you know, they knew that mm-hmm. he was going to try something like this. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. They did the, yeah, he did the white knight. Which honestly is amazing because the kids were probably more indoctrinated than the congregation. They, they live with this guy 24 seven. So, and that could have gone, that could have gone either way. Right. 
you can see how nuts he is, or you could be fully and completely indoctrinated. Right, um, exactly. They probably, oh my, I feel bad. I feel bad for all of them. I feel bad for the one that has his namesake. Yes. And yeah. it's his, it's his adopted son as well. It's oh, not even gosh. his biological son. So mm-hmm. it's like, I don't know. I wonder what that's like being either his African-American adopted son or his, uh, I think they're Korean-American mm-hmm. adopted children, knowing that you're essentially like a token for him to kind of advertise him, himself as like this wonderful person who's trying to desegregate and I don't know. And then to find out it was so, it was so corrupt and so evil and so yes wrong and not what it seemed. It's... I'm sure it's something you just you have to come to terms with it and move, you know, and acknowledge and work through and holy shit, a lot of therapy and move forward. Yes. I mean, it's obviously very traumatic for the people who are interviewed, all of them. I mean, it's almost heartbreaking. Mm -hmm. It is heartbreaking to watch them. It is. Talk about it. I'm sure that, yeah, there's a lot of conflicted feelings. There's a lot of survivor's guilt, I'm sure. Yeah. So that's the story of Jonestown. Um, and may Jim Jones go to hell. <laughs> yes. Ah, what a what a piece of shit. Yep. Indeed. Indeedly doodly. Indeedly doodly. And thank you for telling. You know what? And thank you for telling the story. Mm-hmm. So people can, you know, and I guess that's the whole point of this show, so people can understand stuff that you may not want to talk about, or stuff that you sort of taken have taken for granted, or something that it's on the stuff that's on the fringe the fringes of history or something right the cliff notes of history and my my poor parents this is their anniversary i know (laughs) i was like mom what was it like you you had just gotten married and then you found out about the jonestown massacre and she was like well i don't know i didn't really think about it (laughs) well she was it wasn't well all those years ago news wasn't as this is true instantaneous as it is now she probably found out about it a couple days later or like a day nuts yeah yeah because we're used to you know you find out something happens you know about it a second later Mm -hmm. so it could you know and then i kind of can relate to it less because in the you know if it happens in the if it happens in the moment and you're reacting to it and you're seeing others reactions to it at the same time, I think it has more, it has more power. And I think we do uh, see that a lot today. And some of that's a good thing and some of it's not. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't have a random question. You don't? <laughs> hmm. no. Do I? Well, you thought of one last time. I guess I should think one. What would be your bizarro self? My bizarro self? So like the opposite of me? Yeah. Hmm. My bizarro self would be uh, never anxious. Uh huh. Always really confident. Uh huh. Mean. Yep. Really motivated. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know what else. That's fine. What would yours be like? Well, the reason I thought of this question was, all right, so you, you've known me for a lot of years. I have been drinking Diet Arizona green tea out of the jug for the past 20 years. Yes. Uh-huh. You know this. Yes. Yes. Nobody else in my, no one else in my house drinks it. And I like leave the jug everywhere. Like I leave it on the floor. <laughs> yeah. You know this. You know this. So my dear husband goes, you know, we have glasses in the house, right? And I said, I said, yes, this is my thing. I've been doing this forever. And he's like, so bizarro you, you would drink green tea out of a glass. 
he said, sit down when you're on the phone, because I don't sit down when I'm talking on the phone. Ever. <laughs> you pace? Yeah, I pace when I'm on the phone. And I said, and I would have shoes on. He goes, yeah, you never have shoes on. So I would have shoes on all the time. I would sit down while I was on the phone and I would drink tea out of a glass. Mine was sillier than yours. <laughs> Mine was less introspective. Mine would probably hate being outside in nature. Yeah. Which makes me sad to think about. Like mine would probably be like one of those assholes on TikTok that throws straws into the water. People do that on TikTok. People do anything on TikTok. It is real is truly the bane of all of our existences. I liked when I liked when you did the one where you used your cat and pretended it was a phone. Well, I mean, people do <laughs> cute and fun things too, but oh. It's it's like a an impetus for people to do really dumb and dangerous things as well. So it's the internet. So it's the internet. Yeah. It's just a sewage plant of humanity. Yeah. Mhm. I don't see the point of straws anymore. We uh... I exactly. I never use them. The only time I use them, I have ever used them really is when I'm at a restaurant or at home when I had one of those crazy straws, but those are reusable Reusable. those are reusable i have a pirate back what the hell like the ones that look like glasses oh that's fun yes the ones that um change color or the one you you get the hat (laughs) that you put the two (laughs) why can't we go back to that they sell ones that you can buy one that says your name oh that's fantastic we got we had a maid in the 90s with that kind of stuff (laughs) yes we did yes we did um (laughs) The economy was fabulous. <laughs> yes. Unfortunately, we weren't adults at that time. No, no. You had the chart. There were cell phones that you only had to charge once a week. Yes. And if you threw them on a concrete floor that they would still. <laughs> I know. Now, now you look at your phone wrong and it breaks. Uh-huh. <laughs> it was a good. Oh, well, oh, here's an even here's a better question. So you, if you had to go back to the 90s to live, what would be the one thing from this era that you would bring with you? Hmm. I had to go back to the 90s. Yeah. So you get to live with all the wonderful things of the 90s. What would you bring back from this era? Uh, my Instant Pot. <laughs> hey, I guess that's a good I'm one. I'm just kidding. There were pressure cookers back then. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, I feel like those existed back then. Um, hmm. I don't know. Maybe like a, a video game console. Oh, that's true. Yeah, you like video games, and they kind of they were kind of uh, in the infant uh, the infancy stage. Yeah, uh, back, back then. then. Yeah, yeah. What would you bring? I'm like trying to think of like something I thoroughly Netflix. Oh yes, I would bring Netflix. Yeah, on demand that you don't. Well, you only have to pay for it once a month. Back then, you had to pay for it per movie, pay per view, pay per view. Yeah, you know how long it took me to figure out that that's what that meant. And not um, and paper view. It wasn't paper. Yeah. And also the the Disney thing, the weird swish was a D. Didn't know that for a while. Oh, uh, maybe we would maybe we would bring common sense back with us. But we were kids back then. It was okay. We were kids back then. I would you know I would I would bring you know more well rounded feminism. I would bring back. <laughs> Yes. Uh, rights for the LGBTQA plus community, you know, <laughs> that kind of stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And also Instagram. I'm not Instagram. Well, I'm Netflix. It's, it's kind of like um, when people say they wish things were like the 50s. And no, you I, don't. 
It's like what I think what you actually mean is you like the aesthetic of the 50s. Yes. The, the simplicity, you know, because like if you wanted to play with your friend, you had to go to their house and ask or call their mom. <laughs> that kind yeah. of stuff. Which you could do, which you could very well do now. <laughs> That's your <laughs> choice. <laughs> yeah. You could. You could. Yeah. It's like watching, like, I love watching Mad Men. Like, it's a great show and it's so aesthetically gorgeous, but it's so cringy. Yes. The other thing I think about the 50s that's really nice is that everything was made with such quality, high quality. Oh, yeah. Before, like, fast fashion and fast, you know, mass production and stuff like that. That's why you get vintage clothes that still hold up. Yep, exactly. But anyways. (laughs) Anyways. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think people miss, like, I think it's nostalgia, you know. I think people are just nostalgic for another, a a bygone era because you're always, um, going to look at the past with you know through rose-colored glasses even though Mm -hmm. it wasn't perfect yeah so there's there's that there is that there is that so that wraps up jonestown stay tuned what stay tuned for our next adventures in a couple of weeks yes Thanks for joining us. Thanks yes. to anybody who's new. Yay! Um, we probably should have said this at the top, but biopsychosocial is called such because Jordan is a registered nurse. I'm a licensed counselor. She's bio. I'm psycho, of course. We're both social together. Not to really anybody else. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at biopsychpod and on Facebook at biopsychosocial. If you are pleased with what you've heard, please leave us a review. It helps us to become more visible by other people. Yep. And take care of yourself and be excellent to each other. We love you. We love you. See you, hear you, talk to you next time. (laughs) You'll hear us talk next time. (laughs) All right. All right. Bye. Bye. Bye.